If you're putting trust in someone injecting things into your face, you have to realize like there is a risk of your face really looking botched and and parts of it dying. So you want to know that you have had like the people that you're sitting in a chair with are either being guided by high level injectors if you're volunteering for a training or they are high level injectors that know their anatomy. They take all the safe techniques. They're always clean. You know, the office is clean and taking, you know, the proper precautions. Welcome back to the From Here to Wear podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Trutt. We're recording from Union Cowork in downtown Los Angeles. I am here with Dr. Amanda Holden, entrepreneur, educator, leader, mom, and physician in the field of medical aesthetics. She's double board certified in emergency medicine and aesthetic medicine. And she's also the founder and CEO of Holden Timeless Beauty in Southern California, which is a medical spa practice with more than six locations. Wow, I'm out of breath, honestly. That's a <laughs> that's a stacked resume. Incredible. I've lived lots of lives. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. Well, we have a lot to talk about, but first I want to say, what is medical aesthetics? What do you do? Catch our audience up to speed. Who are you? Absolutely. So my name is Amanda Holden. As you said, um, I am double board certified in emergency medicine and medical aesthetics. Medical aesthetics is a field that wears many different hats and means many different things. There isn't a formal residency program for this, but there are now different certifications that crop out of residency programs in the US. So you can have both core physicians and non-core physicians both work in the industry. And those that are potentially operating all day, they might not necessarily be injecting all day. So medical aesthetics as a whole is things like Botox, dermal fillers, microneedling, chemical peels, all that encompasses beauty, both face and body, and helps us age in a different way than we ever have before. There have been many different advancements in the field recently, which have basically opened doors for a ton of non-core physicians to come into the industry and transform things um, from what they used to be. So now there's much more opportunity. I was going to say this kind of exploded, I would say. I, I think people are getting into the game a lot younger and it used to be something I remember hearing about Botox, like, oh, that's something that, you know, maybe like my mom would do or someone in her late 50s and it's evolved so much and there's been so much change. So I think it's really cool because part of your mission, which I want you to speak on a little bit, mm -hmm. is just building confidence and aging in a natural but different way, I guess. In the past, I there, I mean, popularized by great shows like Botched. There, you, we've we've always been introduced to things from the botched side, not necessarily the beauty side. And now there are shows popping up that show more of the beauty side, but maybe in plastics, but not necessarily just minimally invasive aesthetics. Minimally invasive aesthetics is a field now that's grown so much, and with just a few injections and starting, you know, say Botox at a younger age, we can now age differently into the future than we ever did before. Uh, basically not developing lines in our faces, or if we're uncomfortable with a certain part of the way we look, say, for example, we are all genetically unequal, left versus right, if you transect the face in half. Sometimes people have major insecurities about that. We can address those now with a wide variety of dermal fillers and without having to undergo an operation that would be life-changing, potentially, we can 
slightly dip our toe into the water and get a little bit of dermal filler in a certain part of our face. We can do medical grade skincare that basically makes our cell turnover better and our skin just glow. There are so many different entry points for all types of people nowadays just because the industry focus has now been to find a minimally invasive way to really have a natural approach to things. And I love that side of it. And that's one of my missions is to um, create a best of practice um, medical aesthetics model that can be, you know, marched across the nation and deliver, and we can basically deliver care to people that never thought they would want that before. You know, as you said, you know, it used to be something only our moms or grandmothers or a certain generation got, or people would say it's only for Hollywood, it's only affordable in a certain genre, but it's affordable, it's acceptable. Now more people are talking about it, especially with social media, you know, being something where you can share your story mm-hmm. and they're realizing you can go in and be the best version of you. I love that. I think that's so important. And again, yeah, it, we have this stigma or this idea in our head that this is something from botched and it kind of does have a a bad stigma. I mean, why Mm -hmm. is that? People think the industry is superficial or I think by, you know, seeing the cases that are botched automatically the, the partner you're sitting with or the friend or family member that you're sitting with, they automatically think that if you walk into a medical practice that does medical aesthetics or does plastic surgery, you have that risk of potentially being botched or looking like someone that's fake. And the whole aim of my practice, and I think what the industry is really transforming to, is to create that unbotched look, the look that make someone say, wow, you look like you've gotten more sleep. You just look fantastic. But they can't really put their finger on what you've done. You've just enhanced your beauty. And that's something that really unlocks like our confidence from the inside out. It allows us to glow in a totally different way. So it's really like what I see in the office, it's a psychological experience of a transformation that helps people live the best version of their lives they possibly can with minimal investment and the unbotched way. So pretty cool. I love it. I think it's amazing. And it's so cool. You also do conferences and you are certified and trained and you even educate others. So tell us about you know, your training and now how part of your mission is to educate others. I'm a book author. I was, I was a big um, proponent of education all throughout in emergency medicine. I was chief resident at UCSD. I then went on to lead a, the scribe program nationwide for a company called Bituity. And I wrote educational programs um, for all different practice lines, hospitalist medicine, outpatient medicine, emergency. And, and basically that educational stance and, and my leadership stance where I went nationwide with that company, um, that made me realize when I um, started my journey in the field of medical aesthetics that it needs to be transformed too. There are minimal textbooks in in the field. I'd like to write a textbook. There are minimal books that we can actually have access to. So in 2018, I founded the Academy of Medical Aesthetics with the mission to deliver the best quality education that I could to the nation using my background in other fields and then blending it with the field of medical aesthetics and taking uh, I've, I've taken most of the educational courses nationwide that are offered, and I'm twice certified as a master injector through Allergan, which makes Botox and Juvederm fillers. And so I've, I've kind of seen that, that it's hard to find education in aesthetics. It takes a long time. And that that's one of the main contributors to maybe seeing people that are botched, because someone can take one certification course and then just start injecting and think they know how to do everything. But my, my whole goal is to teach people 
people, like there are accessible ways to take educational courses throughout your entire aesthetics journey where it's not just an invited few or you have to like find your educational side, like your educational um, company that is going to provide that at a high cost. So I, in, in founding the Academy of Medical Aesthetics, I want to be able to create more um, of a unified educational platform that allows injectors to really elevate themselves to a higher level. And then also, you know, if they want to come work for our company, Hold in Timeless Beauty, we offer that same branded um, service line to people across the nation. So if they're walking into an office that's us, they know they're getting that high quality, natural, beautiful injection work that, you know, allows them to age agelessly. So that's the focus. That's crazy to me that there aren't that many standardized materials. And I, that totally makes sense why people may get somebody who just isn't qualified and means well, but doesn't know how to use the tools at their fingertips because yeah. it kind of is like an open frontier. Mm -hmm. it, it, and I'm curious in your experience, you've been in this industry for a while mm -hmm. and you, you know so much. And was it kind of like the wild west at some point? And now yes. we're trying to reel it in. What was that like? It's a hundred percent like the wild west almost still, honestly. Yeah. So this is, this is what's so cool. I started in emergency medicine and in 1970, emergency medicine was the wild west. What happened in, wow. in the 1970s, the internal medicine doctors and the surgeons would come down to the emergency department. And if you came in with a complaint that was abdominal pain, you would be triaged to a surgeon. If you came into a complaint that was a runny nose, you would be triaged to an internal medicine doctor. There was no emergency medicine residency and it was then born. Wow. And I think we're at the, the verge of a residency and medical aesthetics being born. Mm -hmm. And I feel that because I, I know that transition point in the 1970s and Peter Rosen, who was the, fa the father of emergency medicine, wrote the first textbook. He actually came from UCSD. So oh. he worked, you know, uh, alongside us. He came to my, my chief residency graduation dinner and he passed away last year oh. and bless his heart. But I think he will carry on his legacy in other ways with those that he taught at mm -hmm. UCSD and I would love to pull together the industry and this is this is one thing I'm trying to do nationwide is pull together the best of the best to create that program mm. that now we can transform aesthetics and it's no longer the wild wild west there is a beautiful standardized course that that is born as a residency. Which is amazing because one of the questions I put out there when I told my audience we would be talking today, they wanted to know, how do you get into this field? Yes. That was a mul multiple people interested in you know, medical aesthetics, how to become a medical aesthetics nurse and all of that. And so walk me through what your career transition was and what you were doing before, which was emergency mm -hmm. medicine, but then that kind of shift and yes. maybe also there's so much I need to know, but <laughs> so crazy that you were working. I'm sure what you saw and learned during mm -hmm. those years working mm -hmm. in emergency was incredible and probably scary and mm -hmm. intense, but it's prepared you for what you're doing now. So what were those days like? And then your shift into what you're doing now. In 2012, I finished residency. Um, it was a four-year residency at UCSD. Uh, during that time, I was a Mercy Air Flight physician, so I flew to all the traumatic emergencies all throughout Southern California. By helicopter? As a life flight physician. Wow. So I, I was by air, at, like landing at these scenes, these horrific scenes. And then I started, I, I went to work for a level two trauma center where we take, you know, hardcore traumas, not as much as LA per se, because San Diego doesn't have quite as much, but still like one of the biggest trauma centers in San Diego. And um, 
working in emergency medicine, I, I always felt a special calling for it. After a while, it takes its emotional toll on you. You go home with some like emotional PTSD is what I call I'm it. I'm sure. And what I you see. You dream about cases. Like you you save lives, but then you also dream about the horrific cases when somebody arrives, you know, the dead or you have to pronounce someone dead. And that's just really hard to take year after year after year. Mm -hmm. So um, I worked both at that hospital and then I also worked in the mountains up in Big Bear. And I, I um, was the only doctor at, for a 24 hour shift at the base of a ski, a, a basically resort up there. And I took all the traumatic emergencies. There are no specialists in town. So you're, that's Small really town. the wild, wild west. Yeah, you're flying people out if you can fly someone off the mountain, but sometimes weather prohibits it. Wow. So up there, I met uh, an incredible guy um, Dr. Adam Weissman. He was the Big Bear medical director. And he told me, you know, Amanda, I've, I've found a whole different life. And he said, I'm the medical director for many different med spas throughout Southern California. And I said, you know what? Um, I want to learn more about that. Teach me about your journey. And, mm -hmm. and so it started with learning from him, the business of medical aesthetics. And I took my first courses and I absolutely fell in love. And wow. I'll tell you this at the beginning of my journey, um, I really wanted to be a plastic surgeon and okay. I interviewed. So I, I was a mother of two, two boys during, during medical school. And, and I interviewed all the female surgeons and said, would you actually be able to see your kids? Could mm -hmm. you be with your family? And they said, you're basically married to the hospital for eight years. You'll go, you know, I worked 30, hour, 30 hours at a time during my rotations with them. And I just felt that it wasn't practical for my family. Mm -hmm. So I chose emergency because it was no shift work. It was shift work. Mm -hmm. You're never on call. And I could actually be there for my family. Mm -hmm. And when I found aesthetics, it gave me that side that I'd always been longing for to, I, I just was drawn towards plastics. Mm -hmm. And this was the perfect blend because I'd done procedures my Whole life. Mm -hmm. I had always repaired traumatic emergencies in the hospital and, you know, lips that were dissected open. And I take the most care. I didn't, I didn't care if there was, you know, somebody waiting on news in the other room. I'd have the, a nurse help me go yeah. deliver news and say, I need to make sure this person gets the best possible result. Uh, and I would focus on making that the perfect result. And I just knew I had a special eye for art. So I took those courses. I founded, you know, Holden Timeless Beauty uh, in 2017, actually. And in now we're 2021, we have over 7,000 patients all throughout Southern California. We've grown massively in a short period of time because we take a different, we have a different twist on aesthetics. Mm -hmm. And that transition, it was really beautiful. I mean, I was, I was actually still working shifts when COVID hit. I did disasters tent shifts because the way I made my business grow is I put my blood, sweat, and tears of, of income from the emergency department, invested it right into the business. Wow. And it wasn't until October of last year that I retired from emergency medicine. And I now, I'm, I'm so thankful that I have a different perspective on life mm -hmm. because it's entirely different working inside hospital walls than it is outside. And now I have so much oppor more opportunity to inspire other women to do the same. Mm -hmm. I have a huge passion for that yeah. to, to be an entrepreneur to its fullest. And mm -hmm. I've stepped fully into my new role. And it's exploded. I think yes. this is like, it's so clear to see your passion and you are so smart and strategic about it all. And tell me about the early days of doing that. I mean, it, it seems kind of daunting, but it's, it's been so successful for you. And looking back, what was that process like? And something that was like rewarding about it and something that was maybe 
like really challenging and unexpected maybe? I would say the hardest part in the beginning was trying to figure out if I was going to bring anyone else on but me. Oh, okay. And, and I had to do it all myself. And when you're having to do I, I had never had an Instagram. I had to learn social media. I had to learn YouTube. I had to learn every bit of it because my husband and I had just decided, oh, we don't need social media. You know, we were, we we're married. We we're like, okay, we're just not going to have a social media account. Yeah. But, but it's critical to showing basically before and afters and delivering high-level education to people out there that are going to be the users of medical aesthetics. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn social media. I had to build the business from the base with minimal help. My mother-in-law came in as my assistant. So she she basically booked appointments. I, uh, I started with like a Google voice phone number and I built my own website. I built it from scratch. Um, I, had, I had built a website for ultrasound at UCSD. So I kind of had background in that, but I built my own website. I did everything I could at minimal cost myself. And I launched my first locations and all like I've lived in San Diego for over 30 years. And I, I was a cheerleader in high school. So I know people from all over and I'm now 43. So all my friends all now really want aesthetics because they're like, I'm aging. I'm looking older. Please help me look younger. So everyone flocked in. Mm. I, my best friend is, um, a, um, hairstylist and does, has a wedding business. So we collaborated, we set up shop right next door to each other. And I, I found that collaborating with people with beauty relationships, microblading, lashes, hair, all of that, it's all intertwined. Mm -hmm. And so by creating those relationships all throughout San Diego, it just propelled my business forward. And I brought, I started bringing in person after person after person. And we're now up to 22 injectors. We, I just signed a new uh, lease deal for a new location. So we're going to have six locations starting in September, possibly seven. There's a, a seventh in the works right now. And now everyone sees this new model and they want to be involved. So now we're having experienced injectors like coming over and seeking work with us because they want to do something outside of the box and they want to be empowered to become the highest level injector that they can instead of being held back in their field because there's fear that they'll maybe get too good and leave. And that's really? what, something you see in the industry. Really? It's a trip. That's kind of interesting. Why? That somebody would like learn the skills and then take them and just do it somewhere else? Yeah. So let's, let's, I, I, I realized I didn't answer one of your questions and that's how do people get into the field? Yeah. So in California, okay. So because the the medical aesthetics industry is there's not a formal residency for it right you don't have to be a board certified physician to start a practice okay and in this in every state has its own rules so certain states if you're a physician and you start a practice you can give permission to an esthetician or a layperson to run a laser and in those states as long as you say they're good enough and they've gone through training they can run it Okay. California is one of the strictest states. Mm -hmm. And so if you make it in California, you can make it anywhere in any state. So the board of nursing and the medical board, they require you to, to inject or to run many different things like laser to be at minimum an RN. Okay. Oh, so you can't be an okay. LVN. You have to be an RN. And in order to do a medical clearance in that state and, and treat a patient for the first time, you have to be a PA, a nurse practitioner or a physician. Okay. Furthermore, in order to own a practice, you have to be a 51% owner as a physician, but you can oh. partner that with, you can partner with a PA or a nurse practitioner or a nurse, and they can be a 49% owner. So okay. you can actually supervise them as their medical director and be highly involved. And they can basically run a practice. You're supervising them, but they take that business side. Mm -hmm. So in California, if you 
train someone up to the point where they're now better than you, or basically they just have their whole, a whole other idea about how they want to run their business, mm -hmm. they can find a medical director and leave your mm -hmm. practice and you'll feel like you've invested all this time and money into them. So a lot of offices, I hear this story all the time, they won't teach people how to inject Botox. They won't teach them how to inject filler. Wow. They keep like they keep the, the one injector doing everything and the other uh, nurse or any or PA or nurse practitioner in that in that particular position is only allowed to run the lasers or the other machines. And they basically try to stomp them down and make them almost feel belittled. Like it's, it's really interesting what happens in this, in this industry. That's crazy. And it's just sad. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be that way. We but should be empowering people. Empowering people and also educating people to mm -hmm. like make sure everybody on board knows how to do things properly and yes. efficiently. I'm curious. So the aesthetics industry, I feel like it's a lot of women clients, yes. but is it a male dominated industry in some ways? It's absolutely a male dominated industry because the surgeons that were in the industry, so the core, the core specialty doctors is a male-dominated industry. Okay. The non-core, not necessarily. In my medical school class, we had a class of nine, five were women. So we actually were female dominant, but that's something that's up and coming where now you're gonna see more and more females in in as physicians, right? But we still have a little time to catch up. Mm -hmm. It takes so long to become a surgeon that there, there's still a lot of people that don't want to go through a surgi surgical residency because let's look back to when I was making my decision, I made the decision not to because I wanted to be, be able to be with my kids. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge thing for females is how do I balance a full-time job plus still be a mom and a wife and all those things. And it's, it's not really feasible always to be a surgeon and do that mm -hmm. because you have to be away so often. So yes, it's definitely male dominated, but it's also just old school thought process and the new schools coming out and going, let's blow up this industry. Let's make it better. Let's yeah. make minimally invasive injectables, face and body, something that's now on the forefront of development and offer it to people all across the world. Because right now the industry is only about 10% of, they're only about 10% of users in the world. So if you take the nation, only about 10% of people really use medical aesthetics that could. And that's sad to me because I feel like so many more people, if they knew that it could be done in a natural way mm -hmm. and they truly knew how incredible they would look and feel, both husband and wife. Yeah, men and women. Men and women both, yeah. like everyone. It, it's for everyone. There's something for everyone in aesthetics. And a lot of people just don't quite realize that. But I can guarantee you in 20 years, like people are going to realize it and they're going to be asking, why aren't you doing it? Yeah. Why, and you realize everyone else around you looks amazing. What's yeah. the secret sauce? Yeah. It's <laughs> investing into your health and mm -hmm. beauty and when you're young. And mm -hmm. that's why I think it's so incredible to, to talk about this and have these conversations and to break down these stigmas yeah. with, you know, young women too. And also mm -hmm. women who are really interested in getting in this career. So that's yes. great that you broke that down. And I'm also curious, let's go back to your days when you were, um, doing your residency. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, I'm not in that field, but I have a lot of friends who are nurses or want to be doctors. And yeah. it is so above my head, like all the different hoops and hurdles you have to go through. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what kind of kept you going through those days? Because I'm sure somebody listening to this is also interested in pursuing something in the medical field, but it can feel incredibly overwhelming. And I'm sure moments of self-doubt and 
honestly a very competitive class dynamic. I've heard yes. that a lot of the time mm-hmm. too. So what advice would you have to a young woman going through a program like that? So I would say always believe in yourself. If you choose that pathway and you're accepted into a program, never feel like you're not good enough to keep going. Mm-hmm. What happens once you're accepted, say for example, into medical school, you are now with the best of the best in the nation. And sometimes if you get say a 70% on the test and you it's written that way. It's written so that you don't score high so that they can make a curve and probably no one's going to score a hundred percent, but you start to mentally beat yourself up because you're, if you're a high achiever and you're used to getting nineties, hundred percent on all your tests, you're like, maybe I'm not good enough. So there's something called the imposter syndrome syndrome that develops. And a lot of people start feeling like they're not good enough. And they have this self-doubt that maybe I shouldn't really be in this field. Mm -hmm. And then you graduate, you pass all the exams and you continue to feel that way because there are always going to to be people around you that are super geniuses. Let's Mm -hmm. face it. Like there are just some people that can memorize the phone book. Like yeah. if, um, there aren't really any phone books anymore, but that used <laughs> but, to be a phrase. No, no but, really though. But that's who... the thing. Like you have to believe in yourself. And if you chose the path because you wanted to help people, like I think that was, I, I, I sat on the, the admissions committee for UCSD and then I also oh, okay. interviewed for residency and, and <clears throat> I coached a lot of people through their interviews. And, you know, what you have to realize is you are always going to have different changes in your life that cause you to go down a different path. So even even if like your answer is, why do you want to go into medicine? I want to help people. Even if that evolves over time and you want to help people in a different way, don't be afraid to change your path. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to help people in a different way because education is education. That's still something that's empowering you, your mind, and everything that you can do and deliver to the world. So figure it out and be the best version of you. That's yeah. that's my like biggest advice to give to people. I love that. And to a- another piece of advice that I got from someone in a previous interview was to kind of like have blinders on almost in a way, like yes. really focusing on what you're doing and why you're there mm-hmm. and to not so much like look at your peers and the comparison can be really difficult mm-hmm. and the competition is difficult. And in order to be in that field, it definitely takes a lot of strength, but it's definitely something that you can work through and and achieve if you're genuinely you know wanting to help people it's such a fantastic career mm-hmm. and i just see the power of you know this medical industry and how even my family i didn't really have any relationship to medicine or any careers like this and in the past 6 years having working with so many like nurses and rns and lvns and yeah. cnas it's such a beautiful industry and people that really care about helping people. It's amazing. Yeah. I have a couple questions from people that were really excited for you to be on the podcast. And so I'm going to do like a quick little, um, ask the audience. Okay. So we're going to do like a little, we kind of did this over our social media the other day. Yeah. That was fun. Okay. So this is a question. When is a good time to start Botox? So I, what, what I would recommend doing is looking at yourself in the mirror and making a scowl and looking at the little lines between your eyebrows. Yep. They're called the 11. (laughs) Sometimes it's a, it's a one, sometimes it's a one 11, but if you see it ingrained when you relax and you see your makeup there, Mm. you want to start treating before that line gets too deep. You can do that same thing by raising your eyebrows and smiling. 
But once you start seeing those expression lines, if they're really fine lines, we still have time to reverse them. But if they get deeper and deeper, you can't really reverse them that effectively. It takes a long time. There are other techniques we have to use. So I would, they're called passive lines. So I would start treating if you start seeing passive lines. Some people like to treat even a little bit earlier just to soften their expression lines. And I mean, I would say the range, some, uh, if you, uh, I stare at people in the grocery store, I look at their foreheads, I look at, <laughs> I look at all kinds of things uh, just to see like, you know, what, what I think they do. And mm -hmm. if you see in the middle of a forehead, a big line developing at an early age, somebody might tell you it's, you're too young to get Botox, but you're absolutely not. Mm -hmm. If you see the big line there, treat it. Yeah. And I mean, furthermore, wear some sunscreen. <laughs> well, exactly. Yes. That's what you have to do. Wear sunscreen. Yes. But also for somebody like me, I, so I am all about Botox. I have had Botox with you. That was exactly the critique that I got from like my mom and friends. Oh, you're too young. But I would have resting lines and I didn't like the mm -hmm. way it looked. Yep. And my confidence is so much higher because of it. And if it's something as small of a fix as that, it's so worth it. It's in my so opinion. worth it. Doesn't it doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah, it makes you look better. It makes you look better on camera. It makes you like whatever event you have going on. I mean, people will say, a lot of guys say this. I like my lines. I want I like my lines. I'm like, okay, fine, then like your lines. But I, I mean, I don't think the majority of people truly like seeing their faces age mm -hmm. or truly seeing lines develop because I think we like that youthful, that youthful look. It Absolutely. makes us feel like like it just makes us feel better. I think so too. Okay. Great question. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate all of the people who uh, submitted questions. Um, another one we have, do you think more people are choosing non-invasive treatments over surgeries these days? I do. Yeah. I, I think it's actually a smart way to go because like, let me give you an example. Dermal filler. Um, if you choose to have chin injections instead of a chin implant, if you choose to have nose injections or cheek injections, mm. those things go away over time. Like the cheek filler maybe lasts up to two years. It depends okay. on the product that you use, but you can test it out without it being a permanent surgical thing right. with less risk, depending on where you go, of course, but with, with on the, on the, on the high end, less risk, something that's dissolved if you absolutely don't like it. Mm -hmm. it's hard to reverse a surgery, you know, like you can't Completely. really do that. So I think it's, it, I think it's a, a neat way to, to test the marketplace. Uh, well, not test the marketplace, test your face in the marketplace. Right. And, and it's, it's just easy. You know, you're in and out in a 60 minute appointment and recovering and you don't have to worry about downtime. Yeah. I mean, I, again, going back to the whole botched look, like people going in, getting surgeries, doing something super dramatic and really noticeable and maybe regretting it later. And so now with all of these different, you know, non-invasive treatments, you can get more natural looking and kind of more gradual changes to your you face. You can. And, and I'll give you an example of body uh, for, uh, so, so there's a new technology called M-Sculpt Neo. It builds your muscle and reduces fat without needing it. You don't need any surgery. I've done so, it. It's yeah. incredible. It's crazy good, right? Like this is like, you insane. don't need lipo anymore. <laughs> like you, you can sculpt your muscles to the next level and you don't need to go there. It's, it's so cool that there are now technologies that are developed out on the marketplace that are just different and make us not have to do surgery anymore. And you see the surgeons advertising them too. They're stoked about it. Just the same way that, you know, the non-core docs are. So I'm curious. That also reminds me, like what is kind of like pushing the um, marketplace? Is it consumers who have like, they, I don't know, take lips for example. Yeah. yeah. Like what came first? Is it the, you know, 
medical aesthetic saying, hey, we have this new treatment, check it out? Or is it kind of like the demand from the clients? Like, I'm noticing people in real life who have beautiful big lips and I want to mimic this. Mm -hmm. How does that process kind of work? So I think it all depends on which area you live in the country. Um, and True. I think, I think trend follows <laughs> trend, right? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. And, and then it's also a generational thing. So in your 20 to 30, uh, age range, there have been like real self surveys done and there's much more focus now on body actually than face. Mm, so okay. booties are in and where it used to be in like the eighties and nineties, you know, super skinny, you know, stick skinny, like almost anorexic, no booty, no nothing. Mm -hmm. Now it's turned into don't have huge you know, breasts up top and have, uh, basically have a bigger booty and mm -hmm. have more shapes that you can show off. Mm -hmm. That's turning into a trend for that generation mm -hmm. so as, as are like creating lips that look basically just a little plumper, a little fuller, like giving a little bit more volume. If you're born with not much volume or mm -hmm. you're born with a little bit and you have like a raisiny appearance to your lips, you just add a little bit of plump to it. So it's basically what your friends are doing. And it's no longer like looking to your mom and your grandma to say, what did you do? Mm -hmm. It's more looking like what are the trends currently? And I would say in the 30, 35 to 50 year old age range, it's the, why aren't you doing it? Mm -hmm. Because now everyone's starting to do Botox. We, we, as we age, we lose fat pads in our face, our bony structures change. And I can take someone's picture and look at when they were younger. And I can, I can replace the areas where they've lost fat pads. And I'm just basically giving them back their youth. And now that people realize that they want, they go all in. They're like, please do that. And whatever else you want to do to make me look like a better version of myself. It's literally so, the fountain of youth. Yeah. It's that's a fountain so of youth. Cool. And, and who doesn't want that? Like, I think that's what a lot of people are always searching for is where can I find the fountain of youth? And really cool that you take a look at the picture of when they were younger, because it's not transforming somebody into a different person, but mm -hmm. who you used to be, which is yeah. a crazy concept and makes so much sense. Yeah. So another question we got was what's trending in medical aesthetics right now? I know you mentioned M-Sculpt, but anything new we should be keeping our eye on? So, I mean, PDO threads were trending a few years ago. I'm, I'm not a huge fan. Um, so that, that was one thing that was trending, I would definitely say. What is um, that? PDO threads are, imagine sutures that go underneath the surface of your skin and can lift your face and skin into different shapes oh, it's like without the... surgery. So the cat eye, mm -hmm. I think that looks extremely unnatural because you can achieve it very naturally with just Botox. Mm -hmm. The um, majorly lifted look in cheeks that makes you almost look alien like. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there, are, I say, I would say there are some good things about PDO threads, but, but my, my opinion is I don't think there'll be a trend that's around for a long time. Mm -hmm. I think the body treatments are a huge trend. I think the cool sculpting days are out and the body sculpting days where you build your muscle and burn fat are majorly in because mm -hmm. now you can sculpt all areas of your body. And there's this new concept that's emerging nationwide of a medical gym. So you pair your traditional gym membership with a medical gym and Ooh, okay. now you can sculpt all of your muscles to the next level. So you still need your cardio workouts, right? right. You still need your, your cardio, uh, you know, recommended, um, weekly, and you still need your strength training workouts, but now you can sculpt to the next level muscles that you've never seen pop before just by sitting on a machine and the machine's doing the work for you and you're taking your body to the next level and you're able to multitask. And I think this is a thing for like all generations because now you're able to 
be treated, the machine's working out for you, and you can be on your phone answering emails, sending text messages, like doing your work and not really sweating too much and go right back to work after a 30-minute session. For those who don't know, MSculpt is amazing, but quickly explain what is it. Okay, so it's high-frequency electromagnetic patented technology from a company based in Prague. And this company is now global. And there are BTL, it's BTL stands for Be the Leader. And this company has the cutting edge clinical research. They have 31 clinical studies on the machine alone. The head researcher is here right here in LA, Dr. Brian Kinney at USC. And these clinical studies show that with a treatment of NEO, which combines radio frequency with this high, high FM technology, you have a reduction of an average of 30% of fat in the treatment area, an increase in muscle mass of 25%. And if you're treating abs, a reduction of your waist circumference by six centimeters. And if you have had babies, diastasis recti is a splitting of the abdominal muscles that occurs as our uterus stretches our stomach. Right. It pulls you back by 19%. And there's literally nothing else like it on the marketplace. I've heard of that. So I have had friends and family members who have been so upset after a pregnancy, like weight gain, and even no matter how much they work out, their body has just transformed in ways that they can't get back to the size that they were. Mm -hmm. So this is like the magic cure. It's, it's it's the magic cure. And guess what? They even made it for the pelvic floor. So it's called Mcella. So oh, we have okay. we have all the machines at our office. We have the whole suite of BTL machines. So you can sit on, it looks like a commode. You sit on it. It delivers high-frequency electromagnetic impulses to your pelvic floor. It's like doing 11,000 kegels in 28 minutes. Stop. Yes. And your, your OBs tell you, do kegels once an hour, whatever they say. You can never do that many you reps. You never do that many. <laughs> oh my. God. You can never do that many. So we wow. we can sculpt core to floor. And I, I'm just a I'm a firm believer. I've used it myself. I mean, I've had three children. It's hard to jump on a trampoline. It was hard to jump on a trampoline, run. I mean, women don't like to talk about urinary incontinence. Mm -hmm. It's a very uncomfortable uh, conversation for lots of people. Actually, people don't talk about it for five to six years before they even seek help with their OBGYN. Wait, what is it? I haven't had kids, okay, so, so I don't know. Okay, so when you have kids, if you have a vaginal birth, you stretch that area and you can develop some leakage. So if mm -hmm. you ride a horse, jump on a trampoline, go running, you might involuntarily leak involuntarily leak a little bit. Yeah. And then you're like, oh gosh, I'm not going to be able to ever live my normal life again. Mm. So by doing kegels and strengthening your pelvic floor, if you have that type of urinary incontinence, it fixes the problem. And hey, I mean, BTL has the technology for abs. There are nine, nine different body areas you can now treat. So you can treat your biceps, triceps, anterior, posterior thighs, medial lateral thighs. You can do your booty. We have an off-label thing for your, you know, flank right now that mm. we're just testing out. And abs is our most popular treatment. So that now we can so sculpt cool. everything and have, you can have a medical gym membership and come in and sculpt on your lunch break. That caught my eye because I love going to the gym. I think, you know, you can never replace like the feeling of the endorphin rush of cardio or whatever you do, yeah. but to pair that that's the future. And it makes me think like, what are we going to look like in 50 years, hundred years from we're now? We're going to look so much better. Everyone's <laughs> going to look like robotic. They're going to think that we were just like living in the dark ages. I know. <laughs> like I wish I could live in the future, but at least now is good enough. Yes. <laughs> so good. Okay. We have one more question or a couple more actually, but what do we need to know in terms of safety when trying out new products? Because I'm sure there's a lot of different body types and 
different wants and needs, anything that people should be aware of? I love this question. So one thing you need to know is whether or not an office buys FDA approved products. So you can buy products on whole, I don't even want to say it on this podcast, but I'm going to say it. You can buy products online from wholesale manufacturers shipped from other countries and get them delivered to your house and have like underground injectors injecting your face. And these products might not have been stored properly. They might be like pig fat injected into your face. They might be something not even that's on the label. So make sure first and foremost that you're going to a place that buys FDA approved products. Wow. And that's like typically a medical practice. I'm uh, shook. I didn't even yeah. know that was a thing. That's mm-hmm. like a, a whole black market. Yeah. And so a lot of people will be afraid of going to a Botox party. I can say if if the person um, hosting the Botox party, we even do VIP events. So mm-hmm. if the person hosting is from a medical practice that's highly reputable, no big deal because you're getting high quality products. You're getting high quality injectors, right. but just be aware that there are ways to, to skirt around. So if you see somebody advertising a really cheap price, buyers beware. Mm-hmm. If you see a Groupon, buyers beware because you might not, that could be someone building their practice, but it also could be somebody that is buying, scamming you, scamming and, you. and doesn't care yeah. about your health or no, well-being. They just want to make a buck. The second thing is you really want to go to a place. You don't want to go to a place where someone's taken a four-hour injection course and now they hang, you know, some, their their shingle outside saying that they're an injector and they've been injecting for this many years because they might be not always bettering themselves. Mm-hmm. You have to know anatomy, okay? you When you're getting filler anywhere in your face, there's a chance that that filler could be injected into a blood vessel. And if it's injected into a blood vessel, that's called vascular necrosis, that what happens, and it causes death to your skin. Like... If you're putting trust in someone injecting things into your face, you have to realize like there is a risk of your face really looking botched and and parts of it dying. Mm -hmm. So you want to know that you have had like the people that you're sitting in a chair with are either being guided by high level injectors if you're volunteering for a training or they are high level injectors that know their anatomy. They take all the safe techniques. They're always clean, you know, the office is clean and taking, you know, the proper precautions. So those are, I would say the biggest safety tips, um, in, when selecting your, your practice. I think that's so good to just be aware. And I guess, how do you know if someone is FDA approved? Does it say on their website or can you ask? I mean, I think it could be a little intimidating when you go in there, but if you're, we're talking about our face people, like ask questions, speak up and make sure. So I know of course you're reputable, but you know, if trying out somewhere new or something like that. Yeah. Know. So, I mean, it's your, your consumer. So you can absolutely ask when, when we mix up a bottle of Botox or Botox cosmetic, or I use, I'll use Dysport. Those are my two favorites inside. There is a product manufacturing, um, form and it shows mm-hmm. the FDA approval. We get shipping labels that come directly from the manufacturers, Allergan and Galderma. You can ask to see that they've had it shipped from Allergan and Galderma in the U S just to verify in the beginning. And just, you can just say, I just want to make sure you're using FDA approved products. Would you mind showing me, you know, your product inserts and just giving me a quick tour of your office and the products that you use. And anyone that is legit will say, yes, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Nothing to hide. Yeah. yeah. Of right. course I will. I would love to show you that we order all FDA approved products. Amazing. You know? That's yeah. so good. Yeah. And again, you know, going back to the need to have standardized, you know, textbook documentation and procedures of how to do this, because I think in all industries, there are shady black markets, but yeah. there is this, you know, 
will and drive and marketplace to do good and to mm -hmm. inspire confidence, but to also make sure that people are following the best practices right. possible. So right. before we go, what else can we expect from you? I feel like you're conquering the world. You're taking <laughs> over the world. It's so fantastic to see this. What's on the horizon for you? So I'm about to write a book um, specifically for consumers. So I, my, my goal with the book is to really introduce people to the field of medical aesthetics. So that 90% that are scared, maybe the husbands that aren't, you know, quite believers yet, mm -hmm. people can read this book and really realize how we can transform people into the, how we can basically take the new generations and make us age agelessly. That's number one. Number two, I'm about to write a master's lip course. I'm, I am a, a I, I take pride in being an incredible lip injector and I'm going to be training, um, injectors around the world. Um, well, hopefully around the world first around the nation to invite them into our San Diego facility, um, and show them how, um, we inject lips and create a master certification course for that. That's um, incredible. I mean, beyond that, we're also going to be launching a podcast, um, called raw aesthetics and, and interviewing people about their experiences. So those are just, those are just a few things. A few so, things. Yeah. Stay tuned. So <laughs> if people want to get to know you, if they want to maybe check out everything you're up to, where can they find you? So on Instagram, my, um, private Instagram, well, it's, it's public, but my, my personal Instagram is dr.amanda.holden, H-O-L-D-E-N. My business Instagram is Holden Timeless Beauty Med Spa. And then our website is www.holdentimelessbeauty.com. And um, I'm, I, I love mentoring people. So please reach out to me if you have questions. DM me on uh, my personal Instagram. And I'd love to jump on a call to guide you through your journey um, if you feel lost or you just want to know where to start. That's amazing. I'm sure so many women looking up to you and so grateful to hear your story on this interview. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Yay.